0: 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 through 15, the Word of God says, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Verse 15 Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. And let's pray. Lord, thank you for the Word of God. I thank you that not just the the words are inspired inspired every word, but you said every jot and every tittle. Uh, Lord, thank you for the confidence we have in your inspired and preserved book. Lord, I pray that you'd teach us It's truths today as we focus in on this one thought and expand upon it. Would you give me the words to say? Would the Holy Spirit speak to each heart? And may you bring glory to yourself and make us more like thee, more profitable for thy kingdom because of the message today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. This morning I want to bring a, a simple message entitled Sacrifices to Remember. Sacrifices to Remember. Have you ever forgotten something of importance? I know I have. A birthday? An anniversary? An appointment? It's easy to forget things, isn't it? Uh, some say the older you get, the easier it is to forget things. And uh, I think that even in my mid-40s, I can attest to that. But it's easy to forget things because people are forgetful. The Bible gives us many instances of man's forgetfulness. I'll just give you a, a few verses here as I quote them to you. Genesis 40, 23. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. If you remember the story, the chief butler was actually out of prison in part because Joseph helped him understand his dream. And yet as soon as he gets out of prison, the the butler forgets him and two years later remembers him. Isn't the memory a weird thing where you can forget things in the middle of the night. All of a sudden, you pop something pops in your head that you should have remembered two days ago, and, uh, or you go to start praying, and then you remember something you should have done already. It's, the memory is a, a weird thing. Uh, we are a forgetful people. Judges chapter 3, verse 7, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and forgot the Lord their God, and served Balaam and the groves. And, of course, the only way you can serve other gods is to forget the true God. First Samuel twelve nine, and when they forgot the Lord their God, he sold them into the hand of Sisera, captain of the host of Hazar, and into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab, and they fought against them. You know, bad things happen when we forget God. No doubt about it. Bad things happen. Psalm seventy eight, eleven, and forgot his works and his wonders that he had showed them. How is it that we can be so forgetful? I mean, we can be forgetful of the blessings, the answer to prayers, the graces, the mercies of our Lord, and we can get filled with complaining and, and uh, be like those children of Israel who they get delivered from 400 years of bondage and then they're complaining because they missed the leeks and the onions. And that, that's how we are as people. We forget the slavery and the stripes and the deliverance of God. And then we pine for the foolish things. Psalm 106.13, they soon forgot his works. They waited not for his counsel. And boy, when we forget God, we get in a hurry, and he that hasteth with his feet sinneth. Well, a lot of bad things happen when we forget to counsel God or consider what God would want. Psalm 106.21, they forgot God their Savior, which had done great things in Egypt. Can you believe that? They forget God their Savior. I don't think it's possible to forget that you're saved, but I think it's possible to forget what you were saved from. I think it's possible to forget how far God had to reach down to pull you out of sin. I think it's possible to forget that we were one heartbeat away from hell. It's possible to neglect the so great salvation of God. We're a forgetful people. And so the Bible gives us illustration after illustration about how easy it is to forget. Now some people forget just because they're absent minded, and other people forget because they're inconsiderate. But there there is this idea that we want to be constantly reminded of the things that matter. I want to be prompted to remember the things in my life that are going to make a difference because ultimately why we forget matters little in the grand scheme of things we lose opportunities we forfeit blessings when we forget the important things in life our text here tells us that it's one of the duties of a preacher to help us remember and we read second peter chapter 1 verses 12 through 15 uh, the, this portion of Scripture teaches us five important truths about remembering. I'm going to give you these five truths just as a way of introduction as we dive into our message. The first thing our portion this portion of Scripture teaches us is that we need people to remind us. Look at verse 12. Wherefore, I, wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. So we need people to remind us of things. Those of you who are parents, we have to say the same thing perhaps a thousand times. And it's our job to keep reminding. Pastors have to keep saying the same things over and over and over and over. That's part of our job. And so uh, in life, we need people to remind us of important things. Number two, we need people to remind us of things we already know. Look back at verse 12. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. So oftentimes when we remind people of things, they say, oh, I already know that. No, I know you know it, but you need to be reminded again. I know you know the concept, but you're not acting it out in your life. I know that, I know that you remember that it happened, but you're not acting like you remembered that fact is not changing your behavior. And so we need people to remind us, and then we need people to remind us of things we already know. Don't get frustrated when the preacher, when he keeps preaching the same things because you need to hear some of the same things. Don't get frustrated with your parents when they say the same things because you need to hear the same things. Don't get frustrated with the boss when he keeps saying the same things because you need to hear the same things. Don't push back against being reminded. See it as a gift and even a duty to be reminded of important things. All right, number three, God gives us people to remind us like preachers, parents, teachers, and mentors. Look at verse 13. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. He said, hey, listen, I'm a preacher. It's my job, it's my duty to remind you of things and, yes, even remind you of things that you already know. And then, number four, we learn in this passage of Scripture, uh, notice the words here to stir you up in verse 13. To stir you up by putting you in remembrance. That word stir means to arouse fully, it means to wake you up. It's like grabbing you and shaking you and waking you up. It's like somebody who's fainted and someone slaps them across the face and oh, and, and wake up. And the reminder of things that truly matter can wake us up and get us to act differently, to respond differently than we do when we're asleep or when we're forgetting important things. And then we see number five in this passage of Scripture. uh, We need to remember things people taught us after they are gone. Look at verse 15. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. He said, I'm not trying to get you just to remember these things now, but I need you to remember them when I'm gone. And he said in the previous verse, I'm getting ready to leave my tabernacle, the, the tabernacle in the New Testament is the body. Uh, our soul, our spirit just have this tabernacle, this temporary dwelling place of a body. Our soul and spirit will live forever. Uh, but this body is temporary. And he said, I'm getting ready to leave this tabernacle. I'm not always going to be here with you, but I need you to remember these things even when I'm gone. Can you remember things that people have taught you that they're gone? The words of parents ring in our ears long after they're gone. Perhaps a teacher or a preacher that taught you things that you still live out today. Sure. So we see the importance of remembering in this passage of Scripture. it would be easy to preach a, that sermon today, but we're not. That's by way of introduction. As we look at the importance of remembering, we must consider Memorial Day tomorrow. Memorial Day was instituted to help us remember the sacrifices of those who've gone on before us. Uh, Wikipedia says this about Memorial Day. Memorial Day, previously but now seldom called Decoration Day, is a federal holiday in the United States for honoring and mourning the military personnel who had died while serving in the United States Armed Forces. The holiday is now observed on the last Monday of May, having been observed on May 30 from 1868 to 1970. Uh, It was first enacted to honor Union soldiers of the American Civil War. Uh, it's, it was celebrated near the day of reunification after the Civil War. And then Memorial Day was expanded after World War I to include all American casualties of any war uh, or military action. And so Memorial Day is one of those prompts. It's one of those things on the calendar, one of those things in our schedule that pa- makes us remember, makes us pause, and says, this is important to remember. And I'm thankful that in our uh, Country, that this is a federal holiday where basically work stops, things stop, and people say this is important enough that we're going to stop the normal process of our schedule so we don't miss the fact of these sacrifices. Yet in spite of that, how many people will wake up tomorrow, turn on the barbecue, eat hamburgers and hot dogs, enjoy a day off work, mow the lawn, Go shopping and not think about those who've sacrificed. And there we come back again to the problem of memory. It's our forgetfulness. It's a good thing for a Christian to say, I believe there are things important enough in life that I must remember. I must never forget these things. And then it's a good idea to have triggers that remind us of these important things like dates on a calendar, written reminders, alarms, and other things that prompt our memory and they recall to our mind what truly matters most. Now on this Memorial Day, I want to just give you a couple thoughts of sacrifices to remember, and these are sacrifices that we should never forget. Let me say number one, the sacrifice, remember the sacrifice of soldiers. Number one, remember the sacrifice of soldiers. I love living in America. I really do. I wouldn't trade it for anywhere in the world. And you can name the spot. There are places I would love to visit. There are countries I would love to go to. But I don't want to live anywhere other than America. America is known as the land of the free and the home of the brave. And we've had a unique opportunity to live in liberty for almost 250 years. You understand as far as nations go, that's a young nation. But what a nation we've been. And I believe we were birthed through the providence of God, a miraculous birth, a blessed existence in America. The Declaration of Independence appeals to the self-evident truth of liberty. Identifies liberty. Liberty means free from restraint. We're not hindered. We're not bound. We're not in bondage. We're free. That's liberty. I've identified four kinds of liberty just in thinking about this subject. First, we see natural liberty. This is the free will of man given by the Creator, and everyone has this free will. Second, we see political freedom and political liberty. This is freedom from governmental oppression. All over the world there are governments that hold their people in bondage. Rather than the government serving the people, they are seen as the people serving the government. Uh, Even products of the government to be used and wasted as the government sees fit. It's political oppression. But in America we have had political liberty. Number three, we see religious liberty. This is the freedom to worship God according to our conscience. And number four, we see spiritual liberty. This is the freedom from the penalty, power, and presence of sin found through faith in the finished work of Christ. Now, the last one only comes from Christ and through Christ. The first one comes from God. The other two are a product of that. And when we look at political freedom... And religious freedom, we see the Declaration of Independence was given because the people said, we don't want to live in bondage. We believe it is self-evident that God created us to have an amount of liberty free from government oppression. And they even said to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. See, the framers had the biblical viewpoint that governments weren't made to rule men, but to protect men. The government was initially founded to protect the individual rights of citizens. And yet today we see so many that feel like the government is the giver of rights. The government gives us nothing. They take. They take in our taxes. They take in our freedoms. They are there to provide a framework and a structure for us to live and to protect our God-given freedoms. But we see so many forms of government in this world overstep those scriptural boundaries even trying to become God in the lives of the citizens now Americans have enjoyed political and religious freedom that allowed us to exercise free will and made salvation available to all who will listen think about this miracle in America if you wanted to be saved you could if you wanted to be saved you can find the gospel You can find it on the radio, you can find it on TV, you can find it online, you can find it on YouTube. I mean, yes, there's a lot of foolishness out there too, but I mean, the gospel is everywhere in America. And that's because regardless of what history revisionists want you to think, America was founded as a Christian nation. One of the first acts of Congress was to take federal money and print Bibles so American Indians could hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Put that in your history book, school system. Teach that in your class, professor. They don't want you to know that stuff. We've lived in a free nation but freedom isn't free. That's not a cliche, that's a fact. And Memorial Day was started to help us remember that freedom was purchased and protected by the blood of American citizens. Freedom is purchased with blood and protected by sacrifice. American freedom exists because of countless acts of courage and sacrifice. If you think about just the casualties in the larger wars in Americans' recent wars and military activities, World War I, 320,518 people lost their lives. Americans lost their lives. In World War II, there were 1,076,245 casualties. In the Korean War, there were 128,650 casualties. In the Vietnam War, 211,454 casualties. In the Gulf War, 1,143 casualties. In Afghanistan, 22,266 casualties. In Iraq, 36,710 casualties. Each one of those gave their lives, and sacrificed limb so that you and I could live in a free country. We must not forget their sacrifice. And how many didn't die, but they live today handicapped in body, broken in their minds and hearts by what they've seen and experienced. All for the idea of a free America. It's a sad fact that those born into freedom rarely appreciate it. So many people born today, they don't know any other America. They've never been to another country. They're shielded in their learning from things like the founding and the Revolutionary War and the Civil War. And even today, not being told the facts of great people in American history. American exceptionalism is scoffed at, shamefully. Some born into freedom today are more concerned about what freedoms they can use to get out of things and to get away with things. More concerned about whether you can smoke a joint on the sidewalk. More concerned about whether you can have an abortion on demand. More concerned about whether you can change your gender if you so choose. More concerned about being able to party. See, liberty was never a license to sin. Liberty is not freedom so that you can waste it. Liberty is the freedom to fulfill the higher purpose of man and to fulfill the will of God. We're not free from work. We're free to work. We're not free from God. We're free to serve God. And people that are born into liberty and they're born into freedom, they misunderstand it, they misuse it, and they rarely appreciate it. And this is the problem we have in America today. Our American liberty is under attack today. There's been a battle for decades over the soul of America. Will we stay a free nation? Or will our liberties continue to erode as people reject God and replace Him with a godlike government? We don't believe in a cradle to the grave government. We don't believe in a government that, that that pays for your birth and buries you when you die and barely keeps you alive in between. That's not America. America was built on on the the, the free will of man and individual responsibility, and opportunity not on a free paycheck. President Barack Obama and his followers wanted to fundamentally transform America. Those were his words. And they tried. And they gained a lot of ground. He ended up being the most liberal president in American history in my estimation. Never before did we have a president that talked so down about Christianity. Never before did we have a president that uplifted and honored other religions. Never before did we have a president that so openly talked about changing the very fundamental fabric of what America is. In this coronavirus lockdown, some politicians and pundits are working to use the tragedy to forcefully change America. I mean, we've talked about it. Use of force, fines, imprisonment, arresting people for playing softball because the governor said you couldn't, throwing a pastor in jail because he believed in the First Amendment right of freedom of exercise of religion. This is not the America we know. And some Americans seem happy to sit back and let it happen out of fear. That's why I'm preaching so much on faith recently, because if you if you believe God and you have faith over fear, then you can't be kowtowed by all the, the, the craziness out there. You can't be beaten into submission about things, the fear of things that will probably never happen. We believe in God. We're going to live by faith. We trust God. And if today's my day to die, then I'm going to heaven. People that have no faith in God don't feel that way. They're scared to death. And even in their rage against God and their defiance that there is no God, the Bible's not true, they fear death and run from it like a scared child. Gladly giving over their freedom to the promise of security. And as one man said, if you're willing to trade your freedom for security, you'll lose both and deserve neither. See, this, we've got to remember the sacrifice of our soldiers. Soldiers didn't die for us to become a socialist country. I reject Bernie Sanders and his philosophy. I reject all of the craziness going on out there in this socialism. Socialism is just communism light. We're not, that, that's not what America is. That's not who we are. That's not what soldiers died for. I don't know one soldier that died so that America could be taken over by socialists. Did you ever notice that the common man in communist countries is not a proponent of communism? Do you think the oppressed Chinese love communism? Certainly some do, but it's because of all—it's it's all they've ever known, and they've been told lies about everything else. We found it in Afghanistan, when... When regions were liberated, people who had never known freedom for thousands of years didn't know what to do with it. And they went back to the same old tribalism because they'd never been free. But the people, tell me the people in North Korea, the average man, are thankful. Tell me the people oppressed in countries where Sharia law is practiced are so happy about it. No, it's not the common man that promotes that stuff. It's the stuffy college professor. The person living in the lap of luxury at a tenured position with no fear of losing his job as he infects and she infects young, impressionable minds with that foolishness. I remember when President Trump was elected, and I don't care what you think about him, but you ought to have an opinion about this. When he was elected, 4th, 5th, and 6th graders walked out of their elementary schools in protest. Do you know why they did that? Because their teachers filled their minds with that baloney. 4th, 5th, and 6th graders usually aren't real interested in government. It's not the common man that believes in this foolishness. It's the stuffy, It's the proud. It's the overeducated that promote these things. But yet if they love it so much, if you love communism so much, go to a communist country. They would never do that. If you love socialism, move to a socialist country. They would never do that because they love the freedoms of America. They love the protections of America. And as they live off the fat of America, they promote venom. And impressionable minds are confused. Communism and the atheism that accompanies it are responsible for over 100 million deaths in the last 120 years. 100 million deaths. And that doesn't include the untold who suffer of those who died slowly in its clutches. Can I tell you something that really bothers me? It bothers me when I hear people say, America is a democracy. America is not a democracy. Democracy is majority vote wins. And if there's two wolves and a pig and they all vote on who gets, what they have for dinner, guess what happens? America was not set up as a democracy, and every time you hear that, bells ought to go off. Red flags ought to go off when a newsacre says it, when a politician says it. Bells ought to go off because they have a fundamental misunderstanding of what America is and how it was founded. America was founded as a constitutional republic. That is very different than a democracy. We have a constitution. Those who serve our country swear allegiance to defend and protect the constitution and then many of them never give it another thought. How is that possible? say, preacher, why are you bringing this up? Because we're at a turning point in America. And this is Memorial Day. This day was given to us to remember the sacrifice of our soldiers. And these soldiers didn't die. These millions of people didn't give life and limb so that we could be fundamentally changed as a nation. Socialism, fascism, statism, communism, and all the other isms have been at the door since the founding of America. America. Proponents of failed and ungodly philosophies have drooled over the control of America for years. They long for her wealth. They long for her power in the world. And only those who forget our miraculous founding and our heroic protectors will give in to those unbiblical and foolish philosophies. See, when we remember, it stirs us. It wakes us up. And it changes our actions. Let's remember the sacrifice of our soldiers tomorrow. Amen? And let's remember what America is, what she was founded as. And let, let, let not this be the generation where people lay down and America is fundamentally changed. It may happen one day in the future, but let's not let it be this generation. Let's not let it be on our watch. Let's remember the sacrifice of our soldiers. Amen. Let me say number two, not only do we remember the sacrifice of our soldiers, but on Memorial Day, let's remember the sacrifice of our parents. Look at Proverbs chapter 23. You say, Preacher, this is a little bit odd on Memorial Day. If you've ever been a parent, you know that you're in a war. Amen? It is a battle for life and limb when you are a parent. And being a parent is one of the greatest blessings of this life, and it's one of the hardest things you'll ever do. Parenting looks easy from afar. I remember thinking I had it all figured out before I had kids. Well, just do this. Just do that. You're not spanking them enough. You're not doing this enough. You're not doing that enough. Do this. Do that. I mean, you can sit back as judge and jury when you have no kids, and then it's not too long before you have kids and you're changing a diaper that you never thought things could even look like that. You've, You've got throw up all over you from projectile vomit. You've got a baby crying in the night, and it's like your fourteenth day of not getting any sleep, and you're sitting there looking at the crib, crumpled over the, the rail of the crib, crying, begging God, asking him why. Life gets real, friend. Now we love those precious babies, and we do it all over again. Matter of fact, we do it many times. <clears throat> and they're precious let's not forget the sacrifice of our parents. Space does not permit a full accounting of the sacrificial cost of raising children. But I do want to point out this one verse here, Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 22. Hearken unto thy father that beget thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. So the first part of that we get, you're supposed to listen to your parents. And by the way, young people, there's a lot of reasons you ought to listen to your parents. You ought to listen to them because they birthed you. You ought to listen to them because they're God's authority in your life. They ought to listen to you. You ought to listen to them because they feed you and clothe you and put a roof over your head. I mean, there's a thousand different reasons. They love you more than anybody else on the planet. There's all kinds of reasons to listen to your children. The number one reason is because God told you to. And that ought to be enough. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So hearken unto thy Father. We understand that. But then the last part of this verse is really intriguing. He says, And despise not thy mother when she is old. You know, we have a problem in America today where <clears throat> so many people think lives are just disposable. They think that they're going to they can throw away children they don't want through abortion. You can throw away relationships, just cut people off. Parents get older, and those who took care of us, if we're not careful, it's easy just to ship them off somewhere so that we don't have to be bothered with them. And I know that there are situations, and there are some parents, as they get older, they need full-time care, and I'm not opposed to that at all. I've preached in nursing homes since I was called to preach. And there's two extremes in the nursing home. You see some people in the nursing home who their family, their children, their grandchildren are there all the time. <clears throat> because they love those, those people. And they, they, I mean, they're there on holidays, they're there on their days off, they, they, they have visits all the time. And then you see the other group of people that nobody ever comes and visits. I'll never forget, I was in a nursing home preaching years ago and I was talking to a man and he had just gotten saved. <clears throat> and I said, how long have you been here? And it had been a long time. He was actually put into the nursing home in his early 50s because of a health problem. You think about that, that's young to go into a nursing home. It wasn't a life-threatening health problem, it was a health problem. He said, my son told me one day, asked me if I wanted to go for a ride, and I said yes, and he brought me here and dropped me off. He said, he'll visit me a couple times a year. I don't even know what to say about that. I don't even know what to say. But regardless of this, this isn't just talking about the nursing home situation. That, that's a situation that each one of your families has to deal with, with the wisdom of God and the opportunities that are, that are available to you. But what I'm talking about is how many parents aren't in nursing homes or they're, they're a little bit older and their kids grow up and the parents are despised. The children despise their parents. They look down at them. They mistreat them. They don't honor them. And as we've said so often, children obey your parents in the Lord. That's for children. But then the Bible goes on to say, honor thy father and mother. There's no age limit on that. You're supposed to honor your father and mother forever. And this verse talks about despising your mother when she is old. What a crime! What a tragedy. After everything a mom's done, after everything a father's done, are they perfect? No. Some parents have absolutely positively blown it. But they're still your parent. Some parents have done a pretty good job. What you'll find is it's not the parent that determines the response of the child, it's the child. I know I know people with wonderful parents that despise their parents. I know people with terrible parents who love their parents. What the Bible here is talking about is the condition of my heart. The condition of your heart. Am I going to focus on their failures? Am I going to focus on all the times I think they wronged me? The things I wish they'd done differently? Or am I going to focus on their sacrifice for me? I did a little research and according to Morgan Stanley, raising a child in today's Unpredictable unpredictable economic co- climate is nearly 70% more expensive than it was just 15 years ago. In a 2014 report by the USDA, the estimated average cost of raising a child to the age of 18 is $245,000. Food, clothing, shelter, amenities, all that. Some of you are doing the math. I got got how many kids? I got got how many kids? Yeah, you could have been a millionaire. God's plan is that the parent takes care of the children when when the children are young. And then one of these days, the children take care of the parents when the parents are old. That's God's plan. Instead of thinking about the thing that your parents didn't buy you that you wanted, why not think about the fact my parents spent a couple hundred thousand dollars on me adjusted for inflation and time regardless of when you were born. My parents spent an awful lot of money to just get me to 18. And that doesn't take into account the time invested and the emotional investment into every child. Diapers changed, meals cooked, boo-boos bandaged, dreams encouraged, fingers worked to the bone, tears dried, all that can't be measured. So as, as we're looking at sacrifices to remember, let's not just think about the soldier tomorrow, but let's think about the family soldiers that helped raise us. The family soldiers that got us where we are. Let's finish up here. Number three, the sacrifice of God. We talked about the sacrifice of soldiers, the sacrifice of parents, the sacrifice of God. God Almighty is the creator of all things. Amen? Yeah. By Him, all things exist and consist. He is worthy of our worship and our service for all eternity. But this God, this generous Loving God lavished on us unimaginable acts of love and sacrifice. He gave His only begotten Son to purchase our redemption. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That was God giving us His Son. We who should be worshiping Him, He came to us in our need. Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He left the glories of heaven to walk as a servant among his creation. In the ultimate act of sacrifice, he humbled himself as the life giver surrendered to death. Life died so you could live. Philippians 2.18 says, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He didn't just die. He died in one of the most horrible ways ever imagined by wicked men. On a cross. Never has there been a sacrifice of this magnitude or meaning. Never. You'll never see its like. And since Christ has sacrificed so much for us, There's nothing that we shouldn't do for Him. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. We remember the sacrifice of God. Ephesians chapter 5. And look at verse 1. Be ye therefore followers of God, as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given Himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. There's nothing God could ask of you that would be too much. There's nowhere He could ask you to go. Nothing you could give that could ever equal what He's given you. Why are we so self willed? Why are we so hard hearted at times? We need to humble ourselves and realize that there is no greater sacrifice than the sacrifice of God Himself. And tomorrow, and today, on this Memorial Day weekend, we ought to thank Him over and over and over for His sacrifice. And lastly, let me just mention. <clears throat> Remember the sacrifice of God's servants. Look at second Peter chapter 2 Timothy chapter one. Remember the sacrifice <clears throat> of God's servants. And look at verse three. "I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with a pure conscience, that without ceasing, I have what? Remembrance of thee in my prayers day and night. See, we ought to remember the sacrifice of God's servants. Here's the Apostle Paul telling Timothy, I don't forget what you've done. I don't forget what you've done for God. I don't forget what you've done for me. If you remember, Timothy was like a son for Paul in the faith. Each of us are saved because someone else obeyed the Lord. And each of us are blessed because Christians before us sacrificed. We have a church not because we built it, but because someone else did. We have a faith because someone else held on to it and passed it on through persecution, death, trials, afflictions. We have a Bible, yes, because of the preservation of God. I'm not, of course, we acknowledge God's overseership and all of that, but you've got to understand God has chosen to partner with men, God's chosen to partner with people. And I wouldn't have the gospel if somebody hadn't given it to me. I would have never gone to church if somebody hadn't given offerings and bought a bus, and then someone drove the bus. And then someone cleaned the bus and fueled the bus and maintained the bus and someone knocked on my door and someone picked me up and someone made us little snacks on the bus. I mean, the list could go on and on and on. And each of us have been influenced so many times by others. But do we remember? Do we remember their sacrifice? Yesterday I posted a sermon by one of my pastor's favorite preachers, Oliver B. Green. I couldn't help but think about my preacher. And as I listened to the sermon, I thought about how much my preacher sounded like him at times. I often think about the man that won me to the Lord, Brother Bo Eichelman. I think about the youth pastor and preacher who took me under his wing, Jerry Ross. I think about the people in Bible colleges and the mentors and the teachers. I think about the the people at Blessed Old Baptist Church that gave before I was even saved. I think about the people that stood with Pastor Ross at the beginning of the church when it was started in a garage where they would clean out a two-car garage every Sunday and set up metal chairs and they would hold church in a garage I think about the people here that started this church in 1842 and that kept it going. I think about the people that built that building over there that's now our fellowship hall in 1844. I think about the people that hand dug underneath it for our basement where our junior church is. I think about uh, people like Martha's family and others who built the building that we're meeting in right now. How can we forget the things that we've been handed down? It's not easy to serve God. You say, preacher, it's not easy to serve God. I know, and it wasn't any easier back then. The life of a committed Christian is a life of sacrifices. Crosses must be carried. Stripes must be borne. Misunderstandings must be endured. We will be reviled and accused and outcast, but will we hold on to the faith like they held on to the faith? I'll never be a beloved preacher because of the things that I teach. We'll never be the most popular church in town because of the truth we hold on to. There will be people that don't like us because of what we stand for. That's the call. Now, are we going to give up as so many Christians have? Are we going to go to a lesser church or become a lesser church and just give things away because it's convenient? Or will we bear our cross? Will we endure the stripes? Will we be reviled and reviling not? Will we continue and take what's been given to us and then pass it on to people that are coming after us? Because we wouldn't be here without them. But wait a minute there won't be anybody else after us if we're not faithful and don't pass it on to them. That's why we hold on to things like personal soul winning. That's why we hold on to things like the King James Bible. That's why we hold on to things like old-fashioned church services and old-fashioned preaching. We hold on to things like standards of living. And when the world says, come as you are, leave as you came," God doesn't care about anything you do. That'll never be the message of this church. By the grace of God. Because we've been handed. The truth. By those that obeyed. And now it's up to us to obey. And pass on the truth. And as we're thinking this. Weekend about. Memorial Day. Yes think about the soldiers. But also think about your parents. Grandparents, those who helped take care of you. Also think about the sacrifice of God who gave His only begotten Son. And don't forget the sacrifice of God's servants. You wouldn't be here without Him. And there'll be nobody after us if we don't become what they were to us, to someone else. Sacrifices to remember. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank You for the truth. We pray that You would give us grace and strength. Lord, we pray You'd save those that need saving. Help us to preach far and wide the glorious gospel of Christ. Help us, Lord, to remember the sacrifice of soldiers. Our freedoms were purchased with blood and sacrifice. They shouldn't be handed over. Help us to remember the things that we need to and give us people in our lives, preachers, teachers, pastors, mentors that remind us of the things that matter. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.